This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, you know, there's a lot of crazy things going on in our world right now. And uh, it's really important that we keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of all the things that are going on around about us. The Bible tells us that we shouldn't just be focusing on the things which are seen because the things which are seen are temporary. But our focus should be on the things that are not seen. That's almighty God, his angelic powers, his word, you know, you know, that can change our hearts because the things which are not seen are eternal. So sometimes we just start looking at circumstances around about us and we can get discouraged, you know, but we just need to look at God and we look at his word. And we've been talking about radical change, radical transformation. I think this is our fourth uh, time we're talking about this particular topic. I believe some things that we'll discuss here this morning will be some things that will be transformational, some things that we can apply in our life and it will help us phenomenally when we understand. Last week, we were talking about how to get a grasp of God's word. Uh, does anybody remember what those things were we wrote on my little finger? You wrote on your finger? No. Excuse me? Here. We wrote down here. You know, faith comes by hearing God's word. This is how to get a grasp on God's word. You, you got to hear. And then... Read and, and the scripture we read last week was talking about we should read the scriptures daily for as long as we live. And then study. The scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, who can rightly divide and use and skillfully teach God's word. So remember what the pointer was? Memorize. Memorize. What's it in Psalms? He says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, so we can uh, remember it, retain it, and, and use it when we need to. And then meditate. meditate. We, we looked in Joshua. He says if we'll meditate upon God's word day and night, so we, we have the uh, capacity to do it, so shall we succeed and prosper in everything that we do. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. And then the palm. Apply. So all these things are important, but if you really want to get a, a grasp on God's word, we, we remember these things. We, we need to hear it. We need to, we need to read it. We need to study it. We need to memorize it. We need to meditate upon it day and night. And understand that there are certain religious meditations, not, the, not Christian religion, but people who talk about emptying themselves out and becoming one with nothingness. Well, I don't want to be one with nothing, you know. Meditation, biblical meditation, means to be thinking. It means like daydreaming about what God says in his word. You know, musing it over like a cow chewing its cud and you, you chew it and, and it becomes a part of you. Meditating on God's word accesses the power that's in there. But the application is so vital. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about here this morning. You know, uh, application means put it into practice. It means do it now when we're talking about application. Well, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And remember, it is a message to obey. You know, do it now. It's a message to obey. Not just to listen to. Some people have, oh, that was interesting. Oh, that was clever. Oh, well, that was nice. No, no, no. We, we read God's word. We, we hear God's word. We, we take his message in so we can put it into practice. So we can apply it to our lives. Because that's what changes things. Radical transformation. So it says, and remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't apply it, if you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. If, if you hear, oh, that was really nice, but we don't 
apply it, we're fooling ourselves, and the devil tempts us to, to live as a fool. That's what he tempts us to do because there's great power. The Bible is alive and powerful. It tells us it is, and it changes things. And he says here, if, if we don't obey it, if we don't apply it, we're fooling ourselves. Verse 25 says, but if you keep looking, keep looking, if you keep looking, if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, his word, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, if you do what it says, if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The men and women who hear God's word, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate it, but if you'll do it, he says, you're going to be blessed. You'll be blessed for, for doing that. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your, what's that word? Actions. You don't show it by your Can that kind of faith save anyone? I don't think so. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Oh, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? Think about it. It's like if we know that God spoke to us in his word and we see what Christ would do and we just talk about it and say we'll pray about it, but we don't do anything that is within our power to do. Well, he says in verse 17, so you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, application, it is dead and useless. Verse 18 says, now someone may argue, well, some people have faith and and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds, by my application. Verse 19 says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, that there is one God, and they tremble in terror. Believing is is not enough. Just having faith is not enough. There must be corresponding action. There must be application which is nothing more than obeying what God's word tells us to do. And he says here, verse 20, how foolish can, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Faith without good deeds, faith without works is dead. So the things that we learn, how to grasp a hold of God's word so we can apply it to our lives. Verse 21 says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his, what? By his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You could see that he put corresponding works, application. He put it into practice what God had told him. God had told him to offer his son as a sacrifice on this altar. And uh, he went up there to do it. An angel stopped him from doing it. He said, well, we, we, we see where your heart's at now. And there was a ram caught in a thicket. They took the ram, and the ram was offered as a sacrifice instead of Abraham's son. And it was a wonderful, powerful portrayal of Christ being the Lamb of God who died in our place to wash our sins away. You know, there was a wise man. He was, happened to be a Christian, and it was a soap maker. And they knew each other, pretty good friends, and they took a walk. And the soap maker said, what good is your Christianity? Look at all the trouble and the misery of, of the world. It's still there. Even after thousands of years of teaching about goodness and truth and peace, still here. Even after all the prayers and sermons and teaching, if Christianity is good and true, well, why doesn't it change things? The wise man said nothing. They continued walking until he noticed 
a young child in the gutter. And then the wise man said, now look at that child. You see <clears throat> that soap makes people clean, but see the dirt? You say that soap makes people clean, but see the dirt on that youngster there? What, what good is soap? With all the soap in the world all over these years, and the child is still filthy. I wonder how effective soap really is after all. And the soap maker protested. He said, but, but soap can do no good unless it is applied. Aha, that's correct, replied the wise Christian man. It must be applied. So soap must be applied to cleanness. And God's word must be applied to access God's miraculous power to bring about radical change in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones, in our family, in our community, in our world, that must be applied. The things that we believe, the things that we, we, we uh, hear, we, we read, we study, we memorize, we meditate on, we must apply it. And that releases his power. If we have the faith to apply what his word says, it changes things. Yesterday, I had a little uh, verse of the day that was sent to me, and I just, I just love the verse. I also want to share it with you here. It's in Jeremiah 29, 13, in the New Living Translation. It says, and this is God's speech, it says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, and you see that what the verse started with? If, it's conditional. If, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Isn't that a fantastic promise? He said, if you look for me. Now, this past week, I took a, uh, a day just by myself on the mountain. And I like to walk lots of times when I pray. And I just walk. You know, I make my own trails. I just go wherever I want to. And if I need to, I'll look at a compass how to get back home, you know, if I need to. But pretty much I know how to get back by now. But I just went up there to meet with someone, you know. And guess what? They were there. I went there fully intending to have great communications with God. And then uh, it was like, uh, well, yesterday I read this scripture says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Well, I'm going to tell you, I found God up there. And I communicated with him and he communicated with me about some things and all. But he says wholeheartedly. See, we can read the verse. Oh, that's an interesting verse. But can we apply it? If you look for me half-heartedly, can, can, can we really have quality communication time if we're on our phone and our computer and watching television while we're trying to talk to God? Let me ask you about your spouse or your children or somebody you love. Can you have a real close, intimate relationship with them if every time you're together, they're on their cell phone, on their computer, and watching a program? You would think they're pretty distracted, wouldn't you? And, and the Bible tells us here, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You, you want to have close relationship with God? Just look for him wholeheartedly. So we must apply what we hear. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but show no compassion... There's a lack of action. They see a need. God has brought it to your attention. You see a need, but you show no compassion. How can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our, by our actions. That's applying what we hear and read and study and memorize and meditate we apply that to our life. Verse 19 says, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Our actions, what we do, our practices, you know, it, it testifies what we really believe. Psalms 119 verse 4 says, you have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. That means apply them, keep them, you know, apply those things. 
you have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. That means to obey them carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Oh, that my actions would consistently uh, reflect your decrees. It would show that I've been applying it and I've been applying it. And there's always, always results. If you get a package of seeds and carry around in your pocket, are you going to have a great garden? Not until you apply them to the soil, right? You've got to do something if you want a, uh, a garden. Um, application should always, here's uh, four things. Application should always be personal, practical, possible, and provable. You say, well, what do you mean? Application of God's word should always be personal. It's like you go, I need to, that's personal. I need to pray. Or, or maybe it's like this. I need, you got to be practical. Uh, I, I need to pray or uh, I need uh, to lose weight. Okay, think about this for a moment. I need to lose weight. That's practical. And it's possible. I need to lose weight. Um, 10 pounds. Is that possible? But if you well, I need to walk on the water. Now, if it was an absolute life and death situation, just maybe God could allow you to walk on water. But is that something we should just spend all of our time trying to walk on water? Now, you do know that I have actually walked on water this time of the year because it's frozen, you know. I'm just kind of messing with you there a little bit. But it needs to be provable as well, you know, which just means measurable. Our application should be measurable, like, like setting a deadline, you know, like saying, I need to lose some weight, 10 pounds by the end of the month. Those things are practical. They're, they're personal, they're possible, and they're provable or measurable. John 13 tells us, in verse 14, it says, and since I, your Lord and teacher, and you know what Lord is talking about. When we say he is my Lord, we're saying you're in absolute control of every area of my life. I am totally surrendered to you. When you call him Lord, that's what you're saying. You know, I am totally surrendered to you. You're in absolute control of every area of my life. Now listen it says here, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now, should we have a, a, a foot washing service every week? Have you ever been to a foot washing service? Yeah. I have been, but that's really not what he's trying to tell us here, to wash somebody's feet. What he's telling us He's given us an example to, to be humble because in those days they all wore sandals and when your guests came to your house for dinner, it was such a dusty road because they didn't have sidewalks and your feet were really all dusty and, and all. And the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant was the one who would wash your feet, have a, a bowl of water, wash your feet as you came in and you had dinner with them, you know. It was the lowest of the lowest servant. So he's trying to teach us here Jesus said, I've come to serve. He says, I, I want you to learn how to humble yourself and to serve other people. Listen to what he says here. I, and since I, your Lord, and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Because everybody would go, no, you should, no, you do it. No, no, you, no, no, you, no, no, you do it. That's what we'd like to say. But Jesus says in verse 15, I've given you an example to follow. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Serve one another with great humility. Put others first is what he's talking about. Verse 17 says, you know these things about loving and surfing and walking in humility. You know these things. Now do them and that is the path of blessing. Will Rogers said, even if you're on the right track, You'll get run over if you just sat there doing nothing. We've got to apply. We've got to do things. Not just go, oh, that was interesting. Oh, that was nice. No, 
We've got to apply it. We've got to do something. We've got to move. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, and Jesus is talking. He says, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me master, one who is in absolute control, who you have totally surrendered to? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why are you calling me Lord? Because you're not treating me that way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words. You remember here? Hearing, reading, studying, meditating, memorizing, and then applying. He says, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. I'm going to show you what that guy's like. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood came and the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Other translation says because it was built on solid rock. And it says the man who hears God's word and applies it, your house hold, your life is built on solid rock because you put it, what you've learned, what you've heard, you put it into practice. Then he goes on to say, but the one who hears my words, he hears my word and does not put them into practice. Don't apply it. They just hear, oh, that was interesting. But the, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground. Other translations say what? On the sand. The ground. Well, they didn't have sidewalks and pavement back in them days. He says, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like the man who built his house on the ground, on the sand, without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, my daughter, Miracle, her husband, Kyle, you know them. You know, Kyle plays all the instruments up here at some point in time, just about. But they bought him a house over in the Woolkit area. And it was the one that they defined it as a great house, but as a fixer-upper. And so Susan and I have gone over there and uh, have tried to help out a little bit here and there as they're, uh, you know, fixing her up, you know. But before you, when you buy a house as a fixer-upper, you got to clean a lot of crud out of it. Y'all understand crud? You got to clean out the crud so then you can rebuild things. It's got a good strong foundation in it, but they're putting a good strong foundation in every room of, of that. And they're, they're getting the crud out. And sometimes we just need to take out all the old crud and put in something new. And that's what God often wants to do with us. He wants to take the crud out of our lives and put in something new. We're talking about radical change. Now, the house that they're living in right now, it is radically changing right now, but it's because they're applying. Can you just buy a fixer-upper house and you buy that house and just sit around and just wait for it to clean itself up? It would be nice. It would be nice because we've been, there's a lot of hard work, you know, cleaning out the crud and putting in the new. And see, that's what we want, God. I want to experience a radical change. And it's his word that brings about the transformation. And sometimes we just need to repent, you know, and ask God to forgive us of our sins. You you ever sin? Three of you. Okay, the rest of you are perfect. No, we, we, we've all sinned. And the Bible says that we go to God and we confess our sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to clean out the crud. And so we can become more and more like Christ Jesus ourselves. So I'm talking about without application of God's word, we're, we're building our lives on sand. But with the application of what we're learning from him, we apply it, we're building our house on solid rock. 
and it'll stand when the storms come against us. I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of storms going on spiritually in our world right now. Have you seen any of those storms going on? Yes, and we just got to apply the word. We just got to live. And sometimes people go, well, because of this. Is... Let me tell you, we got to keep our eyes off of only circumstances. If you look at only circumstances, they'll pretty much defeat you. But if, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, the living word, and you keep your eyes on what he says, it produces faith. And then we apply what we were reading and, and hearing and studying we apply that to our life, and it brings about radical transformation in our lives, in our family, in our community, and in our world. That's what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 11, verse 27 says, As he, Jesus, was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother. Now, can't you imagine if Jesus showed up here, if people are just honored of uh, Jesus here, but Here's a, here's a mother and probably a grandmother. And she says, God bless your mama. Boy, she did the right thing. Look how well you turned out, you know. Says, God bless your mother. The womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. And then Jesus responded to that. He said, he replied, but even more blessed are all, now what percentage is all? 100%. But even more blessed than my mama, and Mary was blessed. We, we hear, hear her referred to to this day, the blessed mother, you know? She was blessed, but Jesus says, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and do what? And put it into practice. Now, Mary was blessed. She surely was. And, and I show great honor, you know, there. And I, I, I know that Christ loved and had the absolute utmost respect for his mother. But Jesus said, more blessed than my mama? More blessed than my mama is the men and women who hear my word and they put it into practice. They're more blessed than even my mother is. That That's Phenomenal when you read this, you know. Those of you men who are here who apply the word of God and those who are watching online, those who apply the God's word, you men, you are, you are more blessed than even Jesus' mother. And you women who are here and who are watching online, you who hear God's word and you apply it, you are more blessed than even Jesus' mother. Now, he was not degrading or criticizing his mama at all. He was just telling you the secrets to his greatest blessings is when you hear his word and you apply those. Not just hear them, oh, that was interesting, and go on and forget about it, but you apply it to your life. You're, you're, you're more blessed, you know, brothers. You're more blessed, sisters. I'm a more blessed pastor if I apply his word. That's what he's telling us right here. And all heaven, to be honest with you, is waiting to help those who will discover what God's word says and then apply it. Heaven is just like, who's doing it? Yeah, there's a lot of people hearing it, reading it, some study, memorize, even meditating on it, but who's applying it? More blessed. You know, heaven is, is looking for that. Now, at the day of judgment, we shall not be asked, what have you read? God's going, hey, what have you read? He's going to say, what have you done? That's the difference. What have you, you done? Remember the logger, I think I've told you about him before, who became so busy cutting logs that he made no time to sharpen his saw. And he told himself repeatedly that he needed to stop cutting and he needed to sharpen his saw. But he just continued cutting logs. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, as night began to fall, he sat exhausted next to a large pile of uncut logs. 
This man wasn't stupid. He knew that his saw desperately needed sharpening. He also knew that the more he cut, the duller his blade would become. Yet, he could not bring himself to sharpen the saw. Are are we like that man? Well, I knew if I just stopped and and I heard God's word and I I read it, maybe studied a little bit, memorized some of it, meditated on a little bit. But I know that if I would apply God's word, things would really work out for me better in my life. But we can know it, but if we don't apply it, it ain't going to do anything for us. You can know that your saw is dull. And you can know I'm working twice as hard as I should and I'm getting only half the much of wood as I used to get because I just haven't made the time. I'm just so easy. I just haven't made the time to sharpen my saw. I haven't just made the time to apply what God's word says. Let me tell you, that would be what I would consider foolish to keep on sawing with a dull saw. The other guys are cutting 100 trees a day and you're cutting like 25 and you're working harder than they are. Because you're using a dull saw. Don't it make common sense that we would stop and sharpen the saw or we would stop and pray. We would stop and apply what God's word says. Um, Let me see, do I have my bag here? Yeah. You know, doing what you can, it does make a difference. And sometimes what we can do seems to be so little. Now, Y'all know I like lights, don't you? And here's a little light switch, you know? Now, do y'all have light switches in y'all's home? I thought you did. Now, isn't it amazing what that little light switch will do? Not, Not just think about, but when you go up there and you hit that switch, isn't it amazing... What that light switch will do, and this old building here, it's got switches all over the place. And you flip that switch and lights come on and microphones come on and fans come on and heaters come on. Just a little old switch, just doing a little old job, you know. And it's amazing the transformation, radical transformation from an old dark building, if you come over here at nighttime, just an old dark, creaky old building but when you do something and the light switch does something, when you flip it and it does something, it brings about a radical transformation in here. Is there a radical transformation and changing taking place in your life and through your life? Think about it. Light makes a big difference. And it don't take much effort to flip that switch on, you know? Every day, your heart gives a little beat. How many of you would testify that your heart beats every day? Just reach over there and see if you can feel it. And if you're here today, it's evidence that it's still beating, right? Think about it for a moment. That's just a little old thing, isn't it? Just a... a Your blood travels, well, here, let me back up for a moment. When it beats, it beats 104,178 times a day. That's how many that takes place in your chest. Your blood travels 171,000 miles a day from that little bitty You breathe 23,172 times, inhaling 438 cubic feet of air. You move 752 major muscles, and you exercise 8 million brain cells. Some of us, we only use a few, (laughs) because some of us don't have as many as other people do. You know, I'm referring to myself, okay? And we do this every day. No wonder I'm so tired at the end of the day. My heart doing all that, all them miles and all those. Oh, man. But you know what? That heart is supplying. It's doing what God created it to do. Just that one little video thing 
makes a difference, does it not? If that thing is beating in your chest, does it make a difference for you? It surely does, and it makes a difference for all who love you. What would happen if God did not do what he promised that he was going to do for you? How good it is that God above has never gone on strike because he was not treated fair in things he didn't like. If only once he'd given up and said, that's it, I'm through. I've had enough of those on earth, so this is what I'll do. I'll give my orders to the sun, cut off the heat supply, and to the moon, give no more light and run the oceans dry. Then just to make things really tough and put the pressure on, <clears throat> turn off the, oxy- the vital oxygen till every breath is gone. You know he would be justified if fairness was the game, for no one has been more abused or met with more disdain. Thank God, and yet he carries on, supplying you and me with all the favor of his grace and everything for free. Men say they want a better deal, and so on strike they go. But what a deal we've given God to to whom all blessings we owe. We don't care whom we hurt to gain the things we like, but what a mess we'd all be in if God would go on strike. Aren't you glad that God didn't go on strike? Aren't you glad that God's a doer? Everything he said in his word he'll do, he does it. And our part is just to believe it. Our part is just to wait and, and and communicate with him and hear what he's saying to us and to hear and, and to study and to read and all these things, and, but then to apply it so we can grasp a hold of his promises and they become a reality for me. And I'm telling you, it's just that simple. God fully intends for you and I to grab his, his word and that everything that he says in his word, he wants it to be true for you. Are you applying it? Or are we just hearing it and thinking, well, that was nice. Oh, that was kind of creative. Or are we applying it? It's really important that we, we apply it. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, it says in the Message Bible, but you keep your eyes on what you're doing. Except the hard times, which means difficult times. Keep your eyes on what you're doing. On, on, on what you're applying. Keep your eyes on that. Even if times are difficult, keep applying what God tells you to apply in his word. But you keep your eye on what you're doing, except the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Let me read that to you out of the New Living Translation where it says, keep the message alive. It says, work at bringing others to Christ. That's what, it, that's what it says. Going back to the message Bible, it says, do a thorough job as God's servant. Let me read that out of the New Living. It says, complete the ministry that God has given you. Work at bringing others to Christ. And some of you might say, well, I'm not a preacher. I, I, I'm a, a butcher or a baker or a candlestick baker or whatever it might be, but I'm not no preacher. Uh, You know, there's other people who are supposed to do the preaching, but I'm not supposed to. I disagree. I disagree 100%. I really do disagree. In every encounter of life, he said for us all to go into all the earth and preach the gospel to everybody. Wherever we're at, whatever our occupation is, we need to have Christ first, and we should represent him well to anybody who meets us. So in every encounter... We either drain life or we give life. What are you doing with the people you talk to and the people you see? Are you giving life to them? Are you, are you applying and giving hope to them? Or are you extremely critical and you're just taking life, you're draining life from them? You know, this, uh, we can answer this question. Only you can answer that question. For the Dedicated Christian, life's primary vocation is, is ministry. Does anybody know what the word ministry means? Serve? Oh, man, if I knew to be a minister just means I'm going to have to serve people, well, maybe I wouldn't have done it. 
I thought when you are a minister, everybody serves you. Jesus said he came to be a servant and he washed his disciples' feet. And he says, follow my example, humble yourself and serve other people. And that's what ministry is all talking about, is to be a servant. And to view our workplace as a ministry post, our our pulpits are our desks, our offices, our cars, our classrooms, our kitchens, our business, our work, etc., etc., etc. That is our pulpit. Because we all have been called upon to be a servant. And that we all apply what God says in his word. And it brings about a radical transformation. You, you may say, I really can't do that much. <laughs> and that may be so. But what you can do, it makes a difference. The little bit that you can do, it makes a difference. And it turns on a light. And people can see it and it changes things. Now a honeybee, y'all familiar with honeybees? I like honeybees. I really do. Honeybees live only about six weeks. 42 days. That's 1,008 hours. Can you imagine that? A hun- one honeybee lives for 42 days. Wow. 108, uh, 1,008 hours. Six weeks. And, and, and then it's gone. You think about it. And you know what a honeybee does the whole time? It works. The honeybee works the whole time. In its lifetime, a honeybee will make In its lifetime, you think a honeybee can make as much honey? In its lifetime, a honeybee can make one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. One-twelfth. This is not a very big spoon, is it? But one-twelfth is about... Oh, I put too much in there. That's more than a twelfth of honey, uh, a teaspoon of honey. I'll try it again. I want I'll put that away. Maybe I should try it again. It's pretty good stuff. It's good and healthy for you. And it's very sweet. And it's all natural, you know. But you think about this. Every time you eat the honey, it's 1,008 hours. Wow, 42 days. And that whole time, it only made a one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. Did his little one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey, did it make a difference? When all those honeybees work together, they make gallons of honey, do they not? They really do, you know? And that makes us appreciate the whole jar of honey so much when you recognize how hard they had to work, what they had to do to produce that. What are you and I doing? What are you and I applying? And as we work together, what are we accomplishing together? I was reading in the New Testament about this woman. She came to, uh, to Jesus as they was having this time where they had gotten together, and she came to Jesus, and she had, uh, the Bible says, a very costly alabaster box of ointment, of perfume. And she came to Jesus and she poured this uh, wonderful perfume over Jesus' head and ran down all over it. it. Just filled the house where he was at. And they says in the Bible that it, it was a year's worth of labor it would have taken to have bought that perfume. A year's wages, she poured it all on him at one time. And a lot of the people around was going, why such a waste? This is such a waste. Oh, such a waste. That's what they said. And Jesus says, no. What she did was very significant. She, she, she poured this on me, preparing me for my burial. That's what Jesus said. 
and it was very significant because they were saying, oh, you should have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, you only have me a short period of time. You'll always have the poor around to help. That's what he said. But let, 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 me, let me read the rest of the verse. It says, in Mark 14, 8, Jesus said, she did, this woman who poured the ointment, said, she did what she could. What's that say? When she could. Will that be said of you and me one day? Oh, he did what he could, you know, when he could. You, you, you remember this little old woman in the Bible? And uh, Jesus had his 12 disciples with him, and they were outside the temple there, and he was teaching them some things and all, and, and he was watching. There was men coming by, bringing their bags of gold and their bags of jewels, and they were giving it at the temple there and, and so forth. And this little old woman came by, and she had, it looked like two pennies, but its value wasn't even worth a penny. And, and she came in and she dropped in her less than a penny. Two mites is what it was referred to. And Jesus said, okay, hold on. You remember what I was teaching you? Hold that thought. Here's something I want you to pay attention to. That woman and her two mites, less than a penny, she just gave more then all, the whole giving of every man and woman who's given anything that she just gave more than them all. And they're going, geez, what are you talking about? And it made a difference. And, and, and every one of us has heard about the widow's might, haven't we? Haven't you heard that story before? We've all been inspired by it and, and all. And uh, Jesus, she, because what? It wasn't how much. It has nothing to do with how much. It's the percentage and you read about it, and it says that she gave everything she had. She gave it off. That was the money she had to, to buy f food for that day. Let me ask you, when Jesus was showing these guys what she had given, and you, you, you probably can imagine that she was very thankful for the blessings that God had given her and probably taking care of her family all through the years, and she gave everything she had on that particular day and didn't have any... Uh, money left over to buy any food. Do you think Jesus allowed her to go up out a meal that day? I don't think so. I don't think so. But what she did, it made a difference. Now, our focus is not just on giving. That's not what we're talking about here today. She did what she could. The woman who took the alabaster box, she had that. And I don't know that alabaster box might have been part of her career. It might have been that she had a, a lifestyle that she needed these perfumes to attract her clients. But when she came to know Christ and she had received the mercy and the forgiveness of God, she took a year's wages and she poured it all on Jesus. She gave all that she had. She did what she could. And so did the woman with the, the two mites. She did what she could. When she could. Are you and I doing what we can. Are we applying the word when it says to pray? Did you know that the Bible says to pray for the leaders of our land? You know, not to curse them or fuss and cuss about them, but it talks about the kings, which is equivalent of our president. Do you know the Bible says to pray for the leaders of our land? And, 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 and hearing it and reading it and studying about it and memorizing the scriptures about it and meditating on it does absolutely no good if we don't apply and pray for him. Or pray for other situations that are going on in our life. We must make application to what the scriptures say. Or it benefits us nothing. Well, let me go back here to this woman. And it says, Mark chapter 14, verse 8. This is the lady with the alabaster box of uh, perfume. She did what she could when she could. She pre-anointed my body for burial. And it made a difference. Verse 9 says, And you can be sure that wherever in the whole world. Now how much of the world is that? It's 100%. And Jesus says, Wherever in the whole world the message or the good news is preached, what she did, what she did, not what she was wanting to do, not what she read about or heard about, but what she did is going to be talked about Admiringly. 
See, doing what you can when you can, it gets God's attention. And he said, people are going to hear about this woman. Every time the gospel will be preached, everywhere in the world, people are going to hear about the woman who poured a year's wages on my head, pre-anointing me for burial. That's what he said. But the application was so vitally important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. Throw yourselves into to, to doing, to applying to the work of the master. Confident that nothing you, what's that word? Nothing that you do for him is a waste of time or effort. It makes a difference. Whatever you do for God, it's not a waste of your time. If you witness to somebody or, or you spend time, you get up early in the morning to, to pray or whatever it is that you do, he said, you know this, it is not a waste of time. The, the uh, New Living Translation says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Enthusiastic, always work excited, passionate, wholehearted for the Lord. It's what he's telling us to do. Psalms chapter 90, verse 17, it says, And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts, our, our actions, our application, our practices, and may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts, what's that word? successful yes he don't want you to forget and he says it again yes make our efforts successful may the lord our god show us his approval and make our efforts when we apply something successful yes make our efforts successful and he'll do that not just when you hear it well i went to church today or i read my bible i'm in a study i studied the bible all the time I even memorized some verses in the Bible. And yeah, I think about how wonderful that is. But if you stop there, you'll never really grasp and succeed at what God has in store for you if you don't apply it. It's important that we apply what we have learned from God's word. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, here's a situation where Jesus gave one guy one little bag of gold. He gave another guy, how many was it? Five? Some different things I read. Some say it's two. Some says five. But he gave him, let's say, five bags of gold. He gave the next one ten bags of gold. And the master said, I'm going on a trip. Y'all invest that. Use it wisely. And he came back. And the guy who had one bag, what did he do with it? The Bible says he dug a hole and put it in because he didn't want to lose it. So when his master came back, he took that one bag of gold with roots and dirt hanging all off of it. And the master was really upset with him that he didn't at least put it in the bank and get a little bit of interest. And the man who had five, he invested, he had double it. And the man who had 10, he invested, he had double of it. That, that's what this is talking about right here. And it says here in Matthew 25, 23, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful handling this small amount. You made a difference with the little things. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. I know you'll make a difference with the bigger things. Let's celebrate together. And you know what? I do believe one day as we go to heaven and we stand before Almighty God, I'm looking forward to hearing him say, well done. Not just well thought about or well dreamed about, but well done, thou good and faithful servant. What are you and I doing? What are we applying? That's what's really critical. That's what's really, really important. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, work hard and cheerfully. Now, I know if you guys are hard workers, but do you work cheerfully or do you work, do your work grudgingly? And everybody say, that's one of the best workers I got, but boy, they are got a lousy attitude. 
Well, it says here, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do, whatever your career is. It don't matter. Whatever your career is, work hard and cheerfully. Whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Whatever you do, wherever you work, you do it like you was working, that your boss was Jesus. Did did y'all see that? What you do, everywhere you do, it's one of the most powerful witnessing tools. That's one of the hardest work. And that person's got such wonderful attitude. They're, they're, they're working as if they was working for Jesus. And if you was working for him, and he was your boss, and he paid you a salary at the end of the week, would it change the way you worked? Well, he says, do it that way. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, never be lazy, never be idle or, or lethargic or sluggish or, or slothful, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Can, can anybody here just show me what enthusiastic looks like? All oh, right. You get a special blessing today, brother. Absolutely. I don't know who you are because you're hiding behind a mask. But you get, he says, serve the Lord enthusiastically, excited, passionate, willing, active, eagerly. Serve the Lord that way. Everything that you do should be doing it as unto the Lord because people are going to see what you're doing and it's going to make a difference in their life. That's what he's talking about right here. And then he says in verse 12, be glad for all God's planning for you. Did you know God's planning things for you? He's planning something for you. Be glad for all God is planning for you. And there's foundation. And right now in Miracle and Kyle's house, it's going to be a beautiful house one day. But there's, there's plans. And they're telling us about what it's going to And they're already tearing things out and putting new things in. And I can see it. I can see what their plans for that house is one day. And God's got fantastic plans for you. But there's some taking out the crud and bringing some new stuff into our life. And he's doing a fantastic job in us. It says, be glad for all God's planning for you. Be patient in trouble. And always be prayerful. Wow. Because prayer makes a difference. In this world we're living right now, some people, every time they get together with others, can just be fussing and cussing and complaining about what's going on in our world. The way our world's going. And all the kind of things. And it's just like this and that. And it's just... Fallen so far away from the, our forefathers who really wanted us to, to trust in the almighty God. And some people just fuss and moan and groan and complain every time they get together. But my Bible tells me, be glad for all God's planning for you and be patient in trouble. Yeah, we probably got some trouble going on in our world right now. And always be prayerful. Oh, wow. Remember, always be prayerful. Wow. Always be prayerful. Well, let me see. Our time is just about up, so I'll just bypass that. Here's uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So the things we do f- does not bring salvation to us. Like I did all this and all, and God's going to weigh all the things I did, and he's going to see that my good deeds were heavier than my bad deeds, and he's going to let me into heaven. Let me tell you, salvation has nothing to do with what you did. He tells us we must believe and receive. He says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth, that's what you're doing. And believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you'll be saved. That's what it takes for salvation. Not all these other things that we read and need to do. Listen to what he says in verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. He saved us and he's forgiven us if we believed and received it. So that we can do the good things. He planned for us long ago. Let me tell you. Good works can't save us. But good works will always accompany the men and women who are saved. Men and women who are genuinely saved, 
they're going to read and study and hear and all these things, and they're going to apply it. The men and women who are saved and who really love Christ, they're going to apply these other things. But doing all these things don't get us saved, but saved people are going to do these good things. And they're going to allow the miracle working power of God to flow through them. John chapter 9, verse 4, it says, and Jesus is talking, and he says, all of us, now listen, this is very important, all of us, now what percentage is that all there? All of us must, what's that word? Quickly carry out the task. All of us, 100% of us, should, should quickly do and apply the, the task, be active, all of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me. Jesus is talking, we must all quickly do what the Father who sent me has given us to do. All of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. There will be a time when all of our doing, all of our applying, all of our putting it into practice, there's going to come a time, and it might be sooner than we think, when it all comes to an end. And if, if you're going to tell somebody about Jesus, you best get it done. If you want to do something for the Lord God Almighty, you best to get her done. He says, all of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one, the Father, who sent me because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. Now, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said this. He said, work as if everything depended on your work and pray as if in everything depended on your prayer. Now, we're just about done. But I want you to understand that God works through people. So I've got one more question here for you. How many of you who is in this room today or who is watching this on, how many of you are a people? 25? 25 of you are people? What are the rest of you? And I'm sure all them guys watching, gals watching online, you're all probably raising your hand. Yeah, I'm a people too. Yeah. He says, William Booth says, work as if everything depended upon your work and pray as if everything depended upon your prayer because it's us. His creation is people who do that work. It's, it's us. That's what I'm talking about. And our lives make a difference. Every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place, your lives make a difference. Everybody who's watching online, your life makes a difference. 100% of our lives makes a difference when we allow God to work through us. And guess what? God works through old people. Did you know that? Now I'm getting closer to being old. I don't think I'm old really yet, but I'm working my way there, and I'm so glad to know that God uses old people. And God uses young people. And God uses talented people. Oh, man, we have some phenomenally talented people, and God uses people with limitations. That would be like me, you know. I ain't near as smart as you think I am. Well, to be honest with you, you probably don't think I'm so smart in the first place, you know. But God will use us all. He will use each and every one of us if we just do, if we just apply. We put it into practice, the things that we know he wants us to. We've learned from his word. We put it into to practice. God will use anybody who's willing to grasp a hold of his word and apply it to their lives and to circumstances around them in this world, whoever they might be, but a man or a woman who will grasp a hold of God's word by hearing and reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and then applying it, that's where the miraculous power of Almighty God flows. And you can change radically change this world and circumstances that's going on in this world. And our time is just about up. So I'd like to pray. Would you come here with me, dear? First thing I'd like to do is maybe 
you've believed the Bible for years and you believe that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, but maybe you never applied it. Maybe you never confessed it with your mouth, what you believed in your heart. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to pray with us here this morning and welcome Jesus to come into your life. And if you already know he's in there, well, let's just reaffirm our faith in him and declare this is the truth. And I love you and thank you for what you've already done for me. So I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer. It'll take less than a minute. So I, wanna, I want you to be sincere and, and make application of this promise. I want you to pray with me as we bow our heads together right now. Would you pray? Dear Father. Dear Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he died on the cross. And I believe he died on the cross. Gave his life. Gave his life. For me. For me. To wash my sins away. To wash my sins away. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus inside. And I welcome Jesus inside. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my soon coming king. As my soon coming king. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.